I'll go. Well, welcome to the Principles Podcast. My name is Corey and I'm Logan. And this is Principles with Corey and Logan. And thank you guys for taking the time to uh, listen in. Really appreciate that. And we hope today's um, podcast will add value to you. At the time of our recording today, today is April the 1st, 2020. And Logan, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. <laughs> a lot of uncertainty. You're not, you're not That's right. A lot of uncertainty. And there's a lot of questions going around. Uh, and some of the some of the hot topic questions that we've seen that are really good questions that people are asking. And we just wanted to dig in today on some of these questions that we've seen. And um, Logan, how about you kick us off with some of the uh, our first question? Yeah, sure. Um, we, we've seen lots of questions, the um, questions that I've seen in uh, business, uh, both on the hotel side, on the landscape side, uh, from podcasts that Corey and I listen to and books that we've read. And then actually some questions from some of our listeners um, from Tupelo and Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, so yeah, one of the listener questions we got uh, out of Memphis was, how do you make tough decisions, both personally and professionally? Um, and do you seek wise counsel? Do you uh, make a pros and cons list? And you know, how do you guys uh, arrive at those decisions? Yeah, so uh, I'll take that one first. How about that, I guess? Um, so for me, I used to do the pros and cons list, right? So I'd, I'd get out the sheet of paper and have your pros and have your cons. But as I've kind of grown um, in, in my own leadership and in my own personal, personal growth and my own awareness, what I've done now is I've developed some values and I've developed a sense of direction of where it is that I really want to go. And that really helps make decisions a little bit better. Uh, but you always, um, even though I have goals in the direction I want to go to, I, I don't think you ever close the door on any possibility. So I think it's very important and very vital to have some wise counsel around you. And I, I think it's important to uh, realize who you're allowing to speak into you as well. So a lot of times early on in, in, um, my career and in my own development, you know, I'd get this big idea, this awesome thing I think would really be cool to, to pursue. And then I would ask people who are getting the same exact results that I'm getting, they're doing the same exact thing that I'm doing, what they thought I should do. Right. And you know, somebody like that, um, getting the same exact results, most people live in the negative pessimistic world and they'll kind of rain on your parade. But if you ask somebody who's achieved some things in their life, um, they'll, they'll kind of pull you along. But for me, the biggest thing is understanding what my values are and is this decision in alignment? And if it is, there we go. If not, no, I'm good. So. That's some really good, really good insight. Um, kind of goes back to the adage of you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time around. Um, and not only that, you are going to be the people that you spend your time around. Uh, if you're not yet, that's who you're going to be in the future. Uh, so being pretty intentional about who you're spending time with and who you're intentionally um, trying to pull into your network uh, and making decisions around those framework, uh, those frameworks, I think is um pretty important. That's a, that's definitely a good perspective on that. Um, I would kind of, uh, piggyback onto that and say, um, for me, when I'm making decisions, again, it's kind of that North star principle that you talked about. What are my core values? 
does this a lot. Sometimes it can make a seemingly surfacey tough decision pretty simple. Um, and then it, it, once you get past that, is there a clear right and wrong? Um, you know, you're, sometimes there's a simple answer, but it's not easy. Um, and so just doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Um, and of course, um, if it's a more complex decision, that's when you want to bring in some wise counsel. But oftentimes, uh, decisions that seem like they're difficult, um, once you run them through those first two filters of is this uh, is there a clear right or wrong from an integrity standpoint, um, and how does this along with my long-term values and, and goals and my vision um, and God's purpose for my life, um, sometimes it can take something seemingly difficult and make it very simple. Yeah, that man, that's awesome. And um, one, one last thing on that, because I've had tough decisions where it seemed like it was a values alignment and you ask people for wise counsel and it, it, it's a, it's a go-to. And uh, I think for Logan and I both faith plays a big role in that and seeking God's guidance on that. And if, if you're not a person of faith, that's okay. But for us, that's, that's very important. And um, there've been a couple of instances really recently where trying to make a tough decision. It seemed like it was in goal alignment there, but it was more of a shortcut. And I could, I could easily justify making the decision, but it was only through prayer that, you know, I, I didn't make that decision. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think one thing that you and I talk about pretty often that, that's really a critical piece to this uh, is having crystal clear clarity on what your vision and what your goals are. Uh, because if you if you don't, then you're missing one of those very important filters to run decisions through, and that's where does this what path does this decision put me on? Um, so if you haven't written out that vision statement or what your three, five, ten, twenty year goals are, um, you know you don't really have a good filter to run those decisions through, and and you're more likely to make kind of an arbitrary decision based on what's easy uh, or convenient at the time. So I think that's something that we don't often think about consciously and uh, we've got to know what the destination is to be able to, to choose the right map. Yeah. I 100% agree with you on that. That that was good. That was good stuff right there, Logan. Well, um, I, got I got it from coaching from you. <laughs> <laughs> Curious. Did you, did you have like a vision statement or a goal statement? You probably had goals, but did you have some kind of vision statement or anything prior to? Uh, no. So when we started, when when you started coaching me in January, uh, I definitely had some some big five to ten year goals. Um, and I think one of the one of the things that we talked about right from the beginning was you wanted me to get very concrete and clear on those things and and tie them down and, and boil them down to something that was shorter term uh, with some more tangible actions and rewards that that I could take and get that would allow me to uh, take some daily and weekly actions that would map to those long-term goals. And that's been pretty instrumental for me um, yeah. from a growth standpoint over the past few months. Um, it, it's really a game changer um, when you get the more clarity you can get, the, the easier decisions become for sure. Yeah. So I, I know this is nowhere near where we were going here, but uh, would you care to share kind of what happened with you? So you had this vision with, with the, with the hunting trip and the hunting summit. 
you want to share that or no? I'd love to share it. Um, I think uh, this is an awesome story, by the way. Maybe so. there will be some people that even want to hear it, but I get pretty excited about this one. So one of the things that I wrote in the vision statement that Corey had me write down was that on, uh, and this was on January the 3rd of 2020, he had me write it for future tense, or pres- write it in the present tense as if I'm reading it on June the 3rd. And, and one of the lines in there was, I am uh, preparing to attend the Western Hunt Summit and for the hunting season. Um, well, Corey wanted me to go ahead and commit, uh, but financially I wasn't quite ready to, to spend uh, four figures on a ticket for the Western Hunting Summit. Um, and my wife was even less committed at that point. Um, so, uh, but, but I was working on her and, and chipping away and, and I had written it in there and I was reading it in, in the morning and every evening before bed. Um, in, in the present tense, I'm preparing for the Western Hunt Summit. I'm preparing for the Western Hunt Summit. Um, fast forward a couple of weeks, uh, mid-January, the, the guy that um, is one of my favorite uh, hunting professionals that I follow and really respect his opinion and the way he does things, um, he, uh, he's the organizer of this event. And um, he – he reached out to me via text and, and said, uh, well, actually back up before that, I found out that there was a, there was going to be an essay contest, um, where you could win a scholarship. Um, so I, I did the, uh, I filled out the information form and submitted that. And a couple of weeks later, I got a text on the weekend from, uh, from this guy, his name is Ryan and said, Hey, Logan, this is Ryan. Did you get my email this week? And I said, no, I sure didn't. Um, Turns out it went to my spam folder and I was a finalist in the essay contest. Uh, he said, can you turn it around and, and get me an essay, a full essay by this afternoon? So I went to, I went to writing and um, turned in my essay and um, three or four weeks later, it was a couple days past the deadline and uh, I hadn't heard back. I was one of four finalists and, uh, and uh, I reached out and said, Hey Ryan, is there any word? And um, he, he texted me back and, uh, or emailed me back a couple of days later and he said, Hey, um, so someone else actually won the contest, but, um, the two essays were so good. It, it was a tie. There was a tiebreaker. Uh, it went to the other person. Uh, but both essays were so good. I reached out to another sponsor and we got another scholarship. So congratulations. You're going to the Western hunting summit. Uh, and I was pumped up. I was, I was really excited. And, uh, if the story ended there, it would be an awesome story uh, of how that vision started to materialize over the course of a month of me reading this statement uh, morning and night. Um, fast forward another few days and uh, I get another email back. Uh, the trip was supposed to be for May 28th to May 31st. And he, he emailed back and said, Hey, uh, we've actually added another session. Um, so you get to choose between this one and this one. And one of them is a, was a black bear hunting session. And one of them was for elk, which is what I'm really passionate about. Um, and so I said, well, I'll take the L, um, for sure. Um, and so he emails me back and the dates are June the 4th through the 7th. Uh, so literally coronavirus excluded literally on June the 3rd, I will be preparing to travel, to travel to the Western hunt summit, um, to the day of what the vision statement says. So, um, I'm sold on, uh, on the power of having that vision statement. And, uh, I just, I just don't think that it's coincidence, especially with some of the other things that have started to uh, started to materialize um, 
that are written in there. Not everything, but um, over the course of three months, um, it's worth doing. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And uh, I love hearing that story and um, not going to go down much further down that that trail there, but um, I could give example after example of mine as well. But, But the power of really getting clear, right? Most of us have a vague idea up here of what it is, but the power of putting that on paper and getting clear on it, think totally goes back to the first question that we had right there. How do you make decisions? Well, if you know what it is that you're going for, it's a little bit easier. So, Well, if Corey, if I had to guess, I would guess that the first week of June when I'm sitting on the mountain at the Western Hunt Summit, there will be a view that's very similar to one of the views that's on my vision board. That's right. So I, I'll, take, I'll take a picture of my vision board and, and when I see it, and I'm up there on the mountain. I'm going to take a picture, and I'll, we'll we'll put, do a side by side and see how close they look. Nice. I, I look forward to seeing that. So, <clears throat> next question we have right here, Logan. I, I think this is. I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this because you are the COO of Fusion Hospitality. You lead several people, and this question we found on a another business leader's um, email that he had sent out to you and I, I received it as well, but we thought it was a great question. And the question is, is it possible to share too much information with your team about your business? Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I think in short, the answer is probably yes. Um, in my opinion. Uh, but, but what I would say is this, uh, I think transparency is very, very important. I think it helps build trust. Uh, and in times of crisis, like right now, uh, trust is one of the most important things that you can have with your team. Uh, the reason I say yes is because I think it's possible to share the wrong information with your team. I think you need to find the balance between, um, giving them actionable information and being clear about here. Here's the scenario, here's the circumstance that we're in, and here's how we need to act versus giving them overwhelming and burdensome information that really should be reserved for certain leaders at certain levels or if you're a small business, the owner, um, you know, your team needs to know that the things that they can control and that they can do to have an impact on the outcome and beyond that, uh, they just need to know the severity of the circumstance. Um, it doesn't need to be this, the sky is falling. Um, it doesn't need to be all gloom and doom all the time. Uh, but there's got to be a level of transparency uh, so that they know the gravity of the situation uh, without being burdensome. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you there. I think I have to have transparency there have to find that balance too though, right? Because you can share too much, but I see a lot of companies, they feel like they've got to hold everything to their chest, not show any of their cards. And then they wonder why, you know, uh, their team members are, they're not bought into it. It's, it's, they're getting the bare minimum out of them. They wonder why there's so much turnover there. Uh, I truly believe that that transparency and, and given a, um, an honest assessment of what's going on, Letting the comp- letting people know where the company stands increases buy-in too, right? So I think it 100%, you hit the nail on the head there, and I would agree with you. <laughs> awesome. So. Um, so another one we got is, um, should I feel guilty about making a profit in crisis? 
uh, I like that question, Logan. I love that question. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'd love to hear your answer, but he, here's my just off the cuff answer right there. Well, business is businesses are in business to make a profit, right? And if the business does not make a profit, then there is no business for anybody to even work in, right? So now I will say this. I think the number one, the number one priority of any business is to put people first, right? You put people first, care about people. And in this situation, it's put people first by keeping them safe, right? But if the business is losing money, if the business isn't profitable, there's no business to go back to. And I, you know, seeing this crisis to me has shown the importance of healthy cash flow, right? You know, because we're going to have times of ups and downs. There'll be another, some kind of crisis down the road sometime again, but um, it's really shown me the importance of, of having a good, healthy cash flow business, not be over leveraged, but kind of going back to our question. Um, I think put people first uh, always, but if the business isn't making profit, there is no business for people to work in. So that's, that's right. I, I agree a hundred percent. As I kind of uh, thought about that on the surface, when you first hear it, it, it it's kind of off putting. You're like profit in a crisis. That sounds, you know, not good, but the answer is absolutely. Um, I mean, the only business that there is, is a sustainable business. Um, you, you have to, you can't serve people long-term if you're not profitable. Um, so I think it's, it's as simple as that. I was reading an article, um, this, this morning. Um, and it's, um, he was, it was a leader that's in his, uh, fifties or sixties. And he said, you know, I've learned through experience from the crash in 87, uh, September 11th, 2001, the real estate crisis in 2008 and the now coronavirus in 2020. Um, the fundamentals are the fundamentals. Um, and it comes down to, like you said, cash flow. Um, you, you, you've got to be not over leveraged. I mean, if you're, if you're over leveraged, it's going to be tough to make it through a time like right now. And, and that's one of the fundamentals. Um, and if you're going to have staying power, uh, that's important. Yeah. Uh, it's not just important. It's, it's vital. Um, but I liked what he said, that the fundamentals are the fundamentals for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and they're what get you through these things that seem to happen. I mean, no one could predict the coronavirus, but what can be predicted is that markets ebb and flow. And once every 10 years, there tends to be something that brings the markets back down. Yeah. I think me and you were talking the other day and you had talked about um, how you'll see, we'll see businesses kind of get, get back to the basics because when business is going great, cash flow is coming in, everything's great. It's easy to get complacent, get content, and kind of get fat, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And this will trim the fat. So yeah, yeah. It, it'll trim the fat. It'll it'll um, it'll separate the wheat from the chaff for sure. But it'll also create a lot of innovation. Yes, uh, sir. So that's it. that that's exciting. Um, but in the short term, there are a lot of a lot of hurdles to get over for sure. Um, but there are definitely fewer hurdles if you, if you've been good at the fundamentals for the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. I I shared with you guys, you the other day, um, I'm really excited (laughs) about this time. I really am. Uh, And, and, and I 
shared with you also, I'm not excited about what's going on that businesses are making a tough decision. People are losing jobs and um, people are getting sick. By no means not excited about that, but it's, it's in moments like this where you said the word innovation, innovation occurs, right? Like there are going to be new, um, you think about some of the medicine that was created. Well, that medicine was created because there was some kind of, of, of disease, right? Uh, all kind of businesses all over the world were created because there was some kind of need. Well, it's through this challenge where innovation occurs and where real leaders stand up and stand out. And uh, that's what I'm excited about. So anyway. Yeah, we don't, certainly don't want to be insensitive to the, the things that are going on. And that's in no way what, uh, what you're saying. But what is exciting is to see teachers given two weeks to take a curriculum online and they've been able to do it. Um, and then thinking in the future, what happens to higher education now? when professors and colleges and high schools and middle schools and elementary schools have proven they can do some of this stuff remotely. Um, you know, what, what does that do to education in the future? And, and what does that do to education costs? And what does that do to student debt? And what does that do to student debt markets? Um, what does that do to financial markets? Um, and that's just one industry. Um, what does that do to, what does that do to teacher compensation? Uh, hopefully it goes up. Um, you know, so it, it's been incredible to see how fast people were able to work, uh, to get things done. Um, it's been amazing to see businesses that were out leverage shrink and get creative and, uh, how they could move forward in a positive way. And it, it's been, uh, you've seen other businesses that were in a space that, uh, may not have been a huge market. And now that market's really grown. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, uh, there's a lot, a lot of opportunity and room for innovation, and, and we've already seen some of it, but I think there's a whole lot more to come. Uh, and, and I think it's a real structural change that's, that's likely taking place, um, and, and we won't go back to normal. It'll be, there will be a new normal. Yeah, mm, like that. I like that. And uh, yeah, I could talk on that for a little bit more, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on to our next question. And um, Next question I, I have, uh, wondering for you, uh, especially with your role there, is, you know, going through this challenging time, how do you keep people motivated? Like, during a time like this, um, tendency to get down, how, how do you motivate folks? Well, um, it's really hard to motivate people externally, uh, would, be my, would be my answer to that. Um, you've got people that get really down and they need external motivation. But what I've found from high performers on my team that are intrinsically motivated, um, and they're high achievers and, and really good leaders, they stepped up. Um, they didn't really need much except for me to say, Hey guys, here's the situation. Here's the magnitude of the situation. Here are the things that we can control. Let's put these things into action. And they've gone to work. Um, and so they didn't really need any motivation, um, other than to know, all right, when the game is on the line and it's the fourth quarter, here's your two minute drill. Now I know which people I want to play quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and those people have, have risen to the occasion very well. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, to be honest, I haven't really had to cross the bridge of motivation. Yeah. 
it comes back to the people you've hired to be on your team in the first place, right? Um, was it Marriott or Hilton? One of them is like uh, they they talked about um, we need to train nice people like you guys, and so we don't train them; we just hire nice people, right? So, so you got people like that on your team. It's they want to buy into the team, right? right. So it comes from that internal motivation, right? Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question or not, but um, I, I, I've just been blessed to have been surrounded by some people that have that intrinsic internal motivation and they, they want to do well. Uh, And um, it's really, you, you just have to channel it and make sure that they're pointed the right direction. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying and I hear it from two fronts. So I hear it from a leader standpoint that might be hiring. It's your, you're hiring more of you know, you're hiring for the values and, and what the person brings to the table, the skills can be taught. The other thing I'm hearing is from the teammate standpoint, right? So this is a time where everybody's kind of in it together and, and you're needing to pull your weight. And I also think here shortly, whenever it's go time, everybody's back to work. I think that's as a, as a team member, or if you want to call yourself an employee, I think you're going to be called to step up too, because you think about, especially in your industry, hospitality, people cooped up for how many ever months, <laughs> uh, hotels about to be busy, right? And the, the team is going to need people to step up. And I think that's going to be in every single industry. Uh, so be prepared to go to work. I think, you know, De- definitely it's right now it's, um, it's foot on the gas with, um, shrinking as fast as possible to, to, to make it through the tough times, but then it's going to be um, foot on the gas even more to hire, train, and take care of the people when, when we get the release that people can travel again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, there is going to be um, travel is another one of those industries that won't be the same anymore. Um, you know, I don't know where it's going to go, um, but it'll be different than how it's been in the past because every company in the world just found out how much travel they can cut out of their budget and still get things done. Oh yeah. So, uh, but on, on the, you know, juxtaposed to that, you have a whole bunch of people that have not been able to travel and have saved that money up. The people that have, have been fortunate to, um, to still be in a position to, to do that that now want to take leisure trips that haven't been able to. So it's going to be a different revenue mix and it's going to be a different type of person you're marketing to and a different type of stay pattern and uh, all sorts of different technical things on the industry specific side, but the industry will be different. Um, And we have to figure out where it's going to land and be better positioned than everybody else to capture that market share when it comes back and to serve our guests. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it's all right, I'm going to share the quote that I, I shared with you guys the other day. It, yeah. it's, um, oh, I forget who said it, but anyway, it says in times of change, we're in a time of change, right? In times of change, the learners inherit the earth, right? While the learned, the people who think they know it all, and then people that don't want to change, the learned are beautifully equipped to live in a world that no longer exists, right? So, Things are changing. We're not, we're not going back to the horse and buggy. We're not going back to the rotary phone. You know, we're, we're not going back to the typewriter. And there are going to be some things when people go back to work that are be structurally changed, like you said, a structural change. And I, I think people need to be prepared for that too, you know. So, 
most definitely. Um, one of the ones that I've been kind of clinging to uh, it's a little less eloquent than than yours is uh, is from Sun Tzu in the Art of War. Uh, in the midst of chaos, there is opportunity. Oh yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that. That's good stuff. Well, what other question do we have there, Logan? That's actually all the ones I have listed. Here. Oh, well, um, I've got uh, I've got a couple more coming out of uh, coming from listeners um, out of out of Jonathan from Memphis. Um, awesome. How do you align goals? from the top down and why is that important? Mm. Well, the, the importance is that everybody's going in the same direction, right? So if you don't, if you don't have the alignment from top down, yeah, you know, I'm assuming it's talking about in an organization, then you're going to have different departments going in different directions. And it's almost, I envision like a tug of war, like, Oh, we want to go this way, but nothing's ever getting done. Um, we talk about having the beach ball, you know, you got all the different colors of the beach ball. Right. And the leader's role is to take all those colors to bring them together, to go towards a common goal and a common direction. Uh, so I, I think, I think the goal has to be, um, shared throughout. I think there's a tendency, especially in larger organizations that the upper management or the top level people, they know what the goals are, but nobody else does. Right. So you do, you still have that, that pulling apart, but, uh, if you want to go in the same direction, the entire organization has to know where we're headed to. And I heard Dave Ramsey say this a couple of times. He said, when you're sharing your vision and your direction, you have to share it so many times that as you are about to speak, as it's about to come out of your mouth, the people roll their eyes and they start to mouth it with you. Right. And if, if you haven't got to that point, then you haven't said it enough. Right. So um, I think as far as alignment, you've got to have that. How you get that done, I think you just you, you have to share it and you have to share it and you have to share it and you have to share it. But also think up front, um, you, you get uh, you allow people to give their input as well. So, you know, you may not take it for all their all their ideas, but I think you allow people to give ideas um, and their input on the direction because that, that allows buy-in, right? Whenever they have a say-so, it's part of my idea. But if it's, if I'm the owner and it's my ideas or my, the high, my way or the highway, if things don't work out, well, you know, it was, it was Corey's idea. It wasn't mine anyway. Right. So. Right. Yeah. That ties into um, something we kind of talked about last time with, with if you have full buy-in at the same moment in time from every level of the organization, you may not be leading from the right altitude because you should see things from a different perspective than other people in your organization. If you're a higher level and a hierarchy leader. Um, so there is a difference between everyone having a voice and everyone having a vote. Um, so, it, but it's also critical to give everyone a voice so that you do get the buy-in. Um, so, I've kind of seen this problem from several different vantage points in uh, a publicly traded company in Atlanta um, that was very large um, and uh, very um, well respected in its industry and fast growing and all those sorts of things. But I thought there was a disconnect between um, the the day to day things that were measured uh, versus what actually would move the needle forward uh, 
from a share price standpoint and, and from what upper management wanted to get done. And then I've seen it in a, in a company of, you know, that's grown from and fluctuated between, uh, you know, five and 19 hotels. And then I've seen it with a landscape company with 10 to 12 employees. So I've kind of seen it from some different vantage points. And, um, uh, I think communication, like you said, is, uh, is critical. Uh, the first thing that I would say is the, the reason that it's important to align in incentives and goals from the top down is because human nature incentivizes people to do what's best for them. Um, so if people are going to do what's best for them and what's best for the company is profitability, but what's best for an hourly team member is to work more hours, your goals are not aligned. Uh, so you, you, there, there's, uh, there's some contradiction there and there's going to be some friction there. Um, so you've got to find a way to align those things. And that's just a simple example, but you look at uh, sometimes the incentives of an HR department are different from a, uh, incentives of a finance department and different arms of a company working in different ways. Um, so if you're taking a holistic approach from the top down, I think it's, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to be crystal clear about your vision and your goals um, and decide what's the goal of this company? Are, are we going to try to borrow a lot of money, scale really fast and sell before it's profitable so that somebody else buys the future cash flows and we make a profit and run off into the sunset? Or are we trying to build a sustainable long-term business built on customer satisfaction and uh, slowly growing year over year organic revenue growth. Um, and those things are, are going to get achieved in different ways. Uh, but what that vision is and what those goals are should dictate how you structure everything else. Once that's decided, then you've got to communicate it. And there's a difference between communicating and connecting. You've got to connect with people and they've got to, what they hear and what you're saying need to be the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so then once you do that, um, it's as simple as finding what personally benefits people at every single level of the organization and making that map to the company's vision and goals. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's simple, but not easy. Um, but if you can do that, then you can scale. Um, if you can't do that, then you're constantly going to have friction at different levels of the organization. Uh, because what's best for somebody in one department or at one level of hierarchy is not going to be what's best for the company or for the owner or for a mid-level manager or for the HR director. Um, so commuting, communicating those things, um, connecting and making sure that what's being said and what's being heard uh, are the same, I think are of paramount importance. And then after those things are done, it's going through your OODA loop, right? You observe, orient, decide, and act. And you're constantly rinse and repeating and, and making sure that as you grow, those things will change. And you've got to constantly evaluate, reevaluate, change, evaluate, reevaluate, change. Um, and I think that's why it's important and a little bit about how to do it. Yeah. I, I tell you, <clears throat> I appreciate you sharing all of that and why I think it's important that that you guys listen to what Logan is saying <laughs> and and that's because Logan isn't just sharing something that he read in a book isn't just sharing something that uh, he thinks and theorizes on I mean he 
he's actually doing some of this, right? I mean, you're, you're living in this. You talked about uh, you were in a big organization and all the different ways you've seen this. And I'm seeing it as working within companies. I've, I've done it in our business in a small way, but uh, seeing it in a larger way now. But I mean, you're, you're, you're hearing it from Logan, who's, who's doing these things in real time, not just somebody who's theorizing. And I think this would be a good idea. So uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I hope, I hope people will go back and re-listen to that just small clip it right there. Cause that was good. Uh, I appreciate it. It's been um, opening to me to see it from so many different vantage points. And I'm very fortunate to have seen it uh, from the vantage points I have this early in my life um, and, and to, have, to have learned that because you see it everywhere. You yeah. see it. I'm sure you see it in parenting. I'm see that uh, you see it in your church. You see it, uh, you know, in business uh, you see it in, you see it in sports, it, it, it's everywhere. And the sooner that you learn it, um, the easier it, it, it makes things. Um, the, the thing that you do have to do, though, at times is detach um, and think, okay, what are the incentives on the other side of the aisle here? And then how can I make those align with, with mine? And uh, it, it can, if you can do that well, which is difficult to do, but if you can do that well, you can really take a lot of friction out of things. Yeah. yeah. Funny story real quick. Uh, you're talking about seeing it in family. I see it in family a lot. So at the beginning of the year, our son, he, uh, he set a goal to have perfect attendance, right? He's in third grade, wanted to have perfect attendance all the way through. And he was doing good. He's talked about it a lot. And, and last year, the kids that got perfect attendance got actually $100, right? I mean, that's pretty sweet. He's also heard that I went kindergarten through high school and never missed a day of school, right? Like in my whole life, never missed a day. So he's heard that story before and he's been doing good, hadn't missed a day. And uh, my wife and I decided to plan a trip and we were going to go on a Disney cruise. Well, it's going to cost him two days of school, right? But it's like, you know what? He'll get over it, right? Well, I go to tell him that uh, he's going to miss two days of school and that, hey, today we're leaving to go on a Disney cruise. Right? You'd think he'd be pumped up and pumped up and being excited. Well, he was for a half a second. Then he realized he wasn't going to reach his goal. And he got mad and he, he started crying and he said, um, he said, you're supposed to help people reach their goals, right? And uh, anyway, that just goes to show you how goal misalignment can cause some friction right there. So anyway, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so we've got a follow-up question to that. Uh, how can an individual in a company hierarchy or, or any organization make sure that their goals align with the goals of their organization? Mm. Well, one, I think you, you have to know what the goals of the company are, right? Uh, I, I, we talked about this a little bit. Many companies and organizations don't even know where they're going, right? I mean, they have to know where they're going. I also think you have to realize where it is that you want to go in your career and where you want to go in your life. Like, I truly believe life is a gift and we're supposed to live it. We're not supposed to be miserable, right? So the trajectory that you want to go in your life and the trajectory that the company are going, are they in alignment? And I think if they're not in alignment, then you have to be okay with finding something that is in alignment with where you want to go. Uh, but I think first step, know where you want to go, know where the company's going, and is it a match? I know that's oversimplified, though. No, I, I mean, as I kind of wrestled with, with, with that, that's actually the, 
the first thing that I had in my notes was know the values, execute in alignment with the values. Uh, <laughs> but, but that is, there, there is some nuance to it yeah. um, in that you have to know what the actual values are. And sometimes, sadly, the actual values are very different from the stated values. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that kind of that kind of maps to what you were saying about does the, do the company values match up to, to what your personal values are and do the directions align? Because if not, you may not be a good match for each other. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Um, you want to be somewhere where you're a good fit and the company's a good fit. Um, but you know, how often do companies talk about integrity, but that's not really what the actual value is. Or, um, I I will say for, um, for my landscape company, if we talk about, uh, our, our slogan is, uh, excellence beyond expectation, right? But if all we talk about with our employees or our team members is, uh, efficiency and profitability, then, our actual values don't necessarily map to our stated values. So um, knowing the actual values of your company uh, or your organization or your church or what, whatever it is, um, making sure that there's not an integrity gap with the actual and the stated values is, is, is one of those things because you can't just go read a mission statement from a company and say, okay, those are the values. I'm going to just get in, a, get in line with that because that might be that might not be how your manager manages. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might not be how your CEO leads. Um, so I think being very aware and self-aware are, are very important um, in making sure that you are in alignment with the company goals and making sure that those map to your personal goals and your personal uh, morals and ethics and, and vision and direction. Um, so, and, and if you're in a leadership role. Um, making sure that if that you're self-aware of do we have a gap between our stated values and our actual values and then working really diligently to close that gap. Uh, I think that's extremely important. Yeah. You know, hearing a lot through this is self-awareness is key, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it is. And I think most of the time we, we really just uh, float through life, not, a, not even aware of, where we're wanting to go, but not even in the moment aware of what we're even thinking. So self-awareness, I think, from what I'm hearing you say, and I agree, is uh, first step, first step. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I 100% agree. <clears throat> um, uh, we got one left. Go oh, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Um, what is your response to the calls for government intervention in today's <laughs> coronavirus COVID-19 crisis? <laughs> You know, that, that's a, that is a question. That is a tough question, Logan. You know, me and you talked about this earlier today because um, I don't think we want to get, well, make all some interesting conversation, but uh, get too political here. But I, you know, I tend to lean towards the right, uh, like, I like freedoms and America in general likes freedoms, right. And to be able to do their own things and don't want uh, the government too involved, but you know, um, 
I've had a hard time with this one because there's a lot of lot of businesses and a lot of individuals that are wanting the government to step in. I, I think the government are doing some things that are really trying to help people that are in need. I think the intentions are are there to to help people uh, during this tough time that where there are layoffs and really to help the economy keep going because our economy is really strong. And I, I think that's that's kind of the intent is to keep that going strong. So. Um, I'm still wrestling with this one, Logan, and I'd love to hear hear your thoughts too. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one's very, very difficult for me as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's um, there are so many nuances to it, and it's very complex. And it's it, this is this is not one that you can just rinse through your filters of uh, what's my direction and what are my values, and is there a clear right or wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm with you uh, in terms. I tend to be independent and, and fairly conservative on most issues, um, but I really as apolitical as I can possibly be without being socially irresponsible and missing and uninformed. Yeah. Um, but I really try to stay in my lane and control what I can control. Um, but I would just say we need to be careful of the things that we're wishing for uh, because there will be long-term implications and long-term precedents that are set and there will be structural change that comes from this. Um, you know, it's not as simple as, is there going to be a, a stimulus package or, or a second stimulus package? Um, and, and what are the ins and outs of that? I mean, there, there are talks of, you know, how are we going to use cell phone data to track how the virus is spreading if with shelter in place orders. Uh, there are other countries already where that's in effect and people are being fined or imprisoned because their cell phone data showed that they, you know, went across town for something that was deemed non-essential. Um, and, and so um, I think, like you said, these things are very well intentioned, uh, but what are the long-term implications? Because yeah, it's great. We want to slow down the spread of this thing and we want to save as many lives as possible. Um, at the same time, we don't want to give an inch and then a mile be taken. Yeah. Uh, so, um, there, it, it's definitely a tightrope. Um, but there will be some impactful long-term structural changes that, that I think take place. Um, and I think we need to be very, uh, conscious of what those things are and what the fallout is going to be. And then going back to control what you can control be adaptable, look for the opportunity because there are going to be a lot of changes. And if you can react faster, um, you can land a couple of pieces ahead on the monopoly board. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I feel like I waffled on my answer a little bit, but I guess I just, um, I want people to be wise and, and know, like you said, one, if there is a, you get the stimulus money, use it wisely. Right. And, and know that they're, there will be repercussions somewhere along the line. They may not be bad or whatever, but I, I just, I want to be wise and I want people to be wise as well. Um, and, and I like how you said, if you use it wisely, you can land a couple of pieces ahead on the, the monopoly board, right? So. Right. That's right. I, I, I see it from, um, from both sides because I'm a, a business owner yep. that is, um, you know, very thankful for the, the opportunity that the, that the government is giving small business owners uh, to help their cash flow, uh, often in cases before it's even needed, so that they can alleviate problems and keep people from being laid off. I think that's extremely well intentioned, and 
Um, it's very difficult to administer and it's very difficult to give proper guidance to, to banks on how to administer the program and, and different things, but very, very well intentioned. And I think in many, many places, it's absolutely going to hit the mark and it's going to curb some unemployment before it happens and help some small businesses uh, stay afloat. Uh, and for other small businesses, they're already doing well. It's going to add fuel to the fire and help them grow and keep the economy strong. And I think that's awesome. Yes, sir. Uh, the unemployment side with the, the the more robust unemployment benefits that are federally backed um it's a it's absolute godsend for people that that are being laid off and for layoffs that i've even been a part of administering where um you know someone is actually going to be in a in a better financial position for the next couple of months based on what those federally backed unemployment benefits are and they're going to get to spend some time with with the children uh, that, that are at home. And, you know, I hope that that time and that money is used wisely and that, um, that the family unit across America is positively impacted and that we see some really good benefits come from this long-term at the same time, I'm looking at that and saying, Hey, uh, long-term, if we're doing, you know, through the end of July, $600 a week, federally guaranteed unemployment, um, what is that going to do to, to wage levels and what's the long-term impact that it's going to have in markets where $15 an hour is not the minimum wage. Um, and how does that long-term impact those small businesses? Um, I don't know the answer to that, but those are the, the, the questions um, where I think all of the things are very well intentioned and right now they're, they're much needed and we're very thankful for them. But they're all questions to keep in mind um, for how do we land on our feet? How do you, uh, advance your position right now during this time because yeah. it's it's uh like we talked about last time it's a snow globe everything's been shaken up and where is it going to land that's right i agree yeah where do we have any other questions right there logan that's all the all the questions that w that we kind of had together um I, I think one thing you and i talked about earlier was uh, guys please send us questions we love hearing what you want to hear about and uh, we'd love for you to submit, uh, you know, what you think to us. Love to hear some different takes on it. Um, love to hear if you disagree with anything, you know, let us know. We, you know, we'll, uh, we'll read it and kind of work through that. And, um, and we'd love to hear um, some different viewpoints. Uh, or if you agree and uh, have a different perspective, we'd, we'd uh, love the opportunity to hear from you. Um, and uh, that's, that's why we're here. That's right. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely okay if you disagree. So, uh, love to hear. Love to hear. Corey and I talked about um, having having strong opinions loosely held. Uh, right. So we we strive to have uh, opinions that are strong because that means you've done enough uh, research and uh, wrestling with those questions and opinions uh, and and reading and learning and discussion to have an opinion of of conviction. Uh, but loosely held enough to where you can be persuaded by facts that your opinion might be wrong. So we'd love to hear uh, your opinions, especially if they're differing, because that's how we're going to grow. That's right. I, I like that. I like that. Well, guys, I appreciate you uh, tuning in today. I hope this has added value to you. Hey, uh, if it has, give us a thumbs up. Give us some feedback like Logan was saying. Uh, subscribe, share uh, with a friend or family member. And thank you, guys. Logan, sign us off, man. Yep. Would you recommend yourself 
uh, go through life this week asking yourself that question. As a spouse, a business owner, an employer, an employee, team member, um, student, teacher, would you recommend yourself? Um, and I think it'll change the way that you live your life. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Logan. Thanks, guys.